book one section seven b of the world as will and idea volume one by arthur schopenhauer translated by r b haldane and j kemp this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book one the world as idea section seven b thus we see on the one hand the existence of the whole world necessarily dependent upon the first conscious being however undeveloped it may be on the other hand this conscious being just as necessarily entirely dependent upon a long chain of causes and effects which have preceded it and in which it itself appears as a small link these two contradictory points of view to each of which we are led with the same necessity we might again call an antinomy in our faculty of knowledge and set it up as the counterpart of that which we found in the first extreme of natural science the fourfold antinomy of kant will be shown in the criticism of his philosophy appended to this volume to be a groundless delusion but the necessary contradiction which at last presents itself to us here finds its solution in the fact that to use kant's phraseology time space and causality do not belong to the thing in itself but only to its phenomena of which they are the form which in my language means this the objective world the world as idea is not the only side of the world but merely its outward side and it has an entirely different side the side of its inmost nature its kernel the thing in itself this we shall consider in the second book calling it after the most immediate of its objective manifestations will but the world as idea with which alone we are here concerned only appears with the opening of the first eye without this medium of knowledge it cannot be and therefore it was not before it but without that eye that is to say outside of knowledge there was also no before no time thus time has no beginning but all beginning is in time since however it is the most universal form of the knowable in which all phenomena are united together through causality time with its infinity of past and future is present in the beginning of knowledge the phenomenon which fills the first present must at once be known as causally bound up with and dependent upon a sequence of phenomena which stretches infinitely into the past and this past itself is just as truly conditioned by this first present as conversely the present is by the past accordingly the past out of which the first present arises is like it dependent upon the knowing subject without which it is nothing it necessarily happens however that this first present does not manifest itself as the first that is as having no past for its parent but as being the beginning of time it manifests itself rather as the consequence of the past according to the principle of existence in time in the same way the phenomena which fill this first present appear as the effects of earlier phenomena which filled the past in accordance with the law of causality those who like mythological interpretations may take the birth of kronos the youngest of the titans as a symbol of the moment here referred to at which time appears though indeed it has no beginning for with him since he ate his father the crude productions of heaven and earth cease and the races of gods and men appear upon the scene this explanation at which we have arrived by following the most consistent of the philosophical systems 
which start from the object materialism has brought out clearly the inseparable and reciprocal dependence of subject and object and at the same time the inevitable antithesis between them and this knowledge leads us to seek for the inner nature of the world the thing in itself not in either of the two elements of the idea but in something quite distinct from it and which is not encumbered with such a fundamental and insoluble antithesis opposed to the system we have explained which starts from the object in order to derive the subject from it is the system which starts from the subject and tries to derive the object from it the first of these has been of frequent and common occurrence throughout the history of philosophy but of the second we find only one example and that a very recent one the philosophy of appearance of j g fichte in this respect therefore it must be considered little real worth or inner meaning as the doctrine itself had it was indeed for the most part merely a delusion but it was delivered with an air of the deepest earnestness with sustained loftiness of tone and zealous ardour and was defended with eloquent polemic against weak opponents so that it was able to present a brilliant exterior and seemed to be something but the genuine earnestness which keeps truth always steadfastly before it as its goal and is unaffected by any external influences was entirely wanting to fichte as it is to all philosophers who like him concern themselves with questions of the day in his case indeed it could not have been otherwise a man becomes a philosopher by reason of a certain perplexity from which he seeks to free himself this is plato's thavmatsin which he calls a mala philosophicon pathos but what distinguishes the false philosopher from the true is this the perplexity of the latter arises from the contemplation of the world itself while that of the former results from some book some system of philosophy which is before him now fichte belongs to the class of the false philosophers he was made a philosopher by kant's doctrine of the thing in itself and if it had not been for this he would probably have pursued entirely different ends with far better results for he certainly possessed remarkable rhetorical talent if he had only penetrated somewhat deeply into the meaning of the book that made him a philosopher the critique of pure reason he would have understood that its principal teaching about mind is this the principle of sufficient reason is not as all scholastic philosophy maintains a veritas aeterna that is to say it does not possess an unconditioned validity before outside of and above the world it is relative and conditioned and valid only in the sphere of phenomena and thus it may appear as the necessary nexus of space and time or as the law of causality or as the law of the ground of knowledge the inner nature of the world the thing in itself can never be found by the guidance of this principle for all that it leads to will be found to be dependent and relative and merely phenomenal not the thing in itself further it does not concern the subject but is only the form of objects which are therefore not things in themselves the subject must exist along with the object and the object along with the subject so that it is impossible that subject and object can stand to each other in a relation of reason and consequent but fichte did not take up the smallest fragment of all this all that interested him about the matter was that the system started from the subject now kant had chosen this procedure in order to show the fallacy of the prevalent systems which started from the object and through which the object had come to be regarded as a thing in itself 
fichte however took this departure from the subject for the really important matter and like all imitators he imagined that in going further than kant he was surpassing him thus he repeated the fallacy with regard to the subject which all the previous dogmatism had perpetrated with regard to the object and which had been the occasion of kant's critique fichte then made no material change and the fundamental fallacy the assumption of a relation of reason and consequent between object and subject remained after him as it was before him the principle of sufficient reason possessed as before an unconditioned validity and the only difference was that the thing in itself was now placed in the subject instead of as formerly in the object the entire relativity of both subject and object which proves that the thing in itself or the inner nature of the world is not to be sought in them at all but outside of them and outside everything else that exists merely relatively still remained unknown just as if kant had never existed the principle of sufficient reason is to fichte precisely what it was to all the schoolmen a veritas aeterna as an eternal fate reigned over the gods of old so these aeternae veritates these metaphysical mathematical and metalogical truths and in the case of some the validity of the moral law also reigned over the god of the schoolmen these veritates alone were independent of everything and through their necessity both god and the world existed according to the principle of sufficient reason as such a veritas aeterna the ego is for fichte the ground of the world or of the non-ego the object which is just its consequent its creation he has therefore taken good care to avoid examining further or limiting the principle of sufficient reason if however it is thought i should specify the form of the principle of sufficient reason under the guidance of which fichte derives the non-ego from the ego as a spider spins its web out of itself i find that it is the principle of sufficient reason of existence in space for it is only as referred to this that some kind of meaning and sense can be attached to the laboured deductions of the way in which the ego produces and fabricates the non-ego from itself which form the content of the most senseless and consequently the most wearisome book that was ever written this philosophy of fichte otherwise not worth mentioning is interesting to us only as the tardy expression of the converse of the old materialism for materialism was the most consistent system starting from the object as this is the most consistent system starting from the subject materialism overlooked the fact that with the simplest object it assumed the subject also and fichte overlooked the fact that with the subject whatever he may call it he assumed the object also for no subject is thinkable without an object besides this he forgot that all a priori deduction indeed all demonstration in general must rest upon some necessity and that all necessity is based on the principle of sufficient reason because to be necessary and to follow from given grounds are convertible conceptions but the principle of sufficient reason is just the universal form of the object as such thus it is in the object but is not valid before and outside of it it first produces the object and makes it appear in conformity with its regulative principle we see then that the system which starts from the subject contains the same fallacy as the system explained above which starts from the object 
it begins by assuming what it proposes to deduce the necessary correlative of its starting point the method of our own system is toto genere distinct from these two opposite misconceptions for we start neither from the object nor from the subject but from the idea as the first fact of consciousness its first essential fundamental form is the antithesis of subject and object the form of the object again is the principle of sufficient reason in its various forms each of these reigns so absolutely in its own class of ideas that as we have seen when the special form of the principle of sufficient reason which governs any class of ideas is known the nature of the whole class is known also for the whole class as idea is no more than this form of the principle of sufficient reason itself so that time itself is nothing but the principle of existence in it that is succession space is nothing but the principle of existence in it that is position matter is nothing but causality the concept as will appear immediately is nothing but relation to a ground of knowledge this thorough and consistent relativity of the world as idea both according to its universal form subject and object and according to the form which is subordinate to this the principle of sufficient reason warns us as we said before to seek the inner nature of the world in an aspect of it which is quite different and quite distinct from the idea and in the next book we shall find this in a fact which is just as immediate to every living being as the idea but we must first consider that class of ideas which belongs to man alone the matter of these is the concept and the subjective correlative is reason just as the subjective correlative of the ideas we have already considered was understanding and sensibility which are also to be attributed to all the lower animals end of book one section seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine